Bibles with you, I'd ask you to turn to the, the Gospel of John, chapter 5. Let me share some verses with you. The title of my message this morning is Denial is Not a River in Egypt. I heard a couple cackles there, but you know, denial is not a river in Egypt. John chapter 5. And again, this, I, I want to give credit where credit's due. I'm going to be doing a series probably for the next four, five, six weeks of messages that are, that are an integral part of the Celebrate Recovery program. Uh, these messages, for the most part, were, were written by, by Rick Warren and, and John Baker, the head of Celebrate Recovery. Uh, I've, I've, I've stuck with their outlines and a lot of the stuff that they say, but, but, uh, but hopefully a, a lot of it is, is stuff that, that the Lord has, uh, has laid on my heart. And I and I want to I want to give that disclaimer at, at the beginning because I, I want I want to give credit where credit is due. I don't want to be accused of, of of plagiarism or anything like that. But a lot of, of what you're going to hear, the folks that have been in Celebrate Recovery have heard before. Uh, again, a lot of it hopefully are things that the Lord laid on my heart as I was going through. Uh, but at any rate, uh, I believe this is stuff that was given to those men of, 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 by God, and I'm just going to be the mouthpiece. Uh, to, to, to share the truth this morning. John chapter 5, beginning at, at uh, verse 1, when we read this. Oh, I'm sorry, if you're physically able, in, in reverence to God's word, if you'd stand, please. After this, there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. And now there is in Jerusalem, by the sheep gate, a pool, which is called in Hebrew Bethesda, having five porches. Then these lay a great multitude of sick people, blind, lame, paralyzed, waiting for the moving of the water. For an angel went down at a certain time into the pool and stirred up the water. Then whosoever, I'm sorry, then whoever stepped in first after the stirring of the water was made well of whatever disease he had. Now a certain man was there who had an infirmity for 38 years. Just saw him lying there and knew that he already had been in that condition a long time said to him, Do you want to be made well? And the man answered him, Sir, I have no man to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up, but while I'm coming, another steps down before me. And Jesus said to him, Rise, take up your bed and walk. And immediately the man was made well, took up his bed and walked. Jesus said to him, Do you want to be made well? And then he told him, Rise, take up your bed and walk. May God bless us by the reading, the hearing, most, espe most especially the, the doing of His Word. You may be seated. I believe there are a lot of us in here. You hear me say so many times that, that people walk through the door of this church with a smile on their face, but on the inside their hearts are breaking. Something's going on in their life that either they're dealing with or they haven't dealt with, but it, 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 it just continues to, to, to churn and burn. In, inside of them and, and, and they're hurting and folks I think what a lot of us don't realize is that with Christ in us and we may have even gotten ourselves to the point where we don't hear it through the struggles we're dealing with Christ is gently knocking at the door of our heart and he's asking do you want to be made whole but yet so many of us continue to struggle with, with the things that, that we deal with 
instead of giving them to God. And I realize giving them to God is a, is a trite answer, maybe a trite answer. But, but as we go through these series, uh, hopefully everybody, we're, we're going to see that, it, that it's not just, okay, well, I'm going to give it to Jesus. What we're going to see is we give it to Jesus and Jesus through the Holy Spirit, through people in our church, through Christian counselors, through perhaps even Celebrate Recovery, Jesus wants to work through, the, through those areas to make us whole so that we can get rid of the, the hurts, hang-ups, habits, sins of the past, or even fear of the future so that God, so that God can give us the confidence to be all He wants us to be. And when I say give, give us confidence, I want to qualify. I'm not talking these name it and claim it guys where God, God wants you to have Cadillacs, cash, and condos if you have confidence in Him, if you have real faith, because that's a bunch of hooey. The Greek word for that is called baloney. But God wants us to be whole so that we can be all that we can be for His glory. Well, that begs the question this morning, what keeps us from being whole? And you may have noticed a slightly different... Uh, I, I did this a few years ago, and the uh, Lord's just laid on my heart. Ra Rachel and I have been talking about it for a few weeks. I've got the old uh, fill-in-the-blank thing there. Uh, if there's any blanks that somehow in the course of things I forget, uh, catch me after service and, uh, and, and I'll give you the answers. Because I know there's some folks when they see this, it's like, I didn't, get all, I didn't get all the blanks filled in. You know, and they kind of freak out. I don't do this for folks to freak out, okay? I do this so that hopefully we can, we can get some help and some of the things in the message stick. But what keeps us from being whole? What keeps us from fully trusting God and being completely, being completely who He wants us to be and fulfilling the plan and the purpose that He has for our lives. Now keep in mind, God's plan and purpose for us, it, it, you know, it, it isn't, I'll even say this, it isn't to be a pastor. It's not to be a marine. It's not to be a sailor. It's not to be in the army. It's not to be a housewife. It's not to, to work out in, 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 in town. What I'm getting at is, it's not to be a, a teacher or even a, 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 a county government worker. Okay, that's not God's plan for our life. Those are the tools, those are the ways, the avenue that God gives us to live out His plan for our lives. And His plan for our life is to worship Him and love Him and to make Him known throughout the world. Some of you guys, especially in the military, I really believe that God has got you in, in the military, in the positions you are now, so you can, in a, in a sense, be, be a missionary. Especially you guys that are in the Marines, because it seems like you, you, get, you get transferred so often, especially I know coming down here to Quantico, it's, it, it's, it's, we called it in the Navy TAD. I don't remember what you call it in the Marines. It couldn't have been as good as TAD since I was in the Navy. Uh, and with you guys being under the Navy, you might as well just adopt that anyway. You know? But... You know, you might be in the Marines or whatever you're doing right now. I, God's plan for my life isn't to be a pastor. God's plan for my life is to worship Him and make Him known. And in my life, the avenue He's chosen for me to, to do that is in the ministry. Some of you guys, the avenue He's chosen to do that is, is being a, a, a work-at-home mom. For, again, for some of you, it's, it's being in the, in the service. For some of you, it's working a job in town. But see, that's not the... The, the, the end, if you will, that's the means to the end. That's where God's placed you to, to, to make Him known to the world. But what keeps us, 
from being made whole. A couple things. First of all, I believe one of the reasons, uh, one of the things that keep us from being all God, all God wants us to be is the unwillingness to get rid of the past. The unwillingness to get rid of the past. For many of us, excuse me, for many of us, we're not willing to get rid of the baggage we carry from the past and it keeps us stuck where we are. It keeps us stuck where we are spiritually, sometimes even relationally, mentally, emotionally, in some instances physically, and I even believe in some instances economically. Well, I can't, this is all God has for me, or I can't do anything better than, than, than what I'm doing now. And a lot of it's because we're unwilling to deal with our past. Some of us this morning might be stuck in bitterness. Someone or some people have hurt us. And for whatever reason, we refuse to forgive them. There are so many people I know of that have been hurt by folks in the past, but instead of doing what Christ calls us to do and ask for forgive and, and, and forgive them, we choose to carry the hurt, we choose to carry the bitterness. And folks, I'm not discounting what anybody may have gone through. You, what you've gone through with, with an individual or a group of people might, be, might have been very painful and it still could cause a lot of pain now. You could have been abused sexually, verbally, emotionally. You could be a spouse who, who your, your, your spouse committed the ultimate betrayal of a husband and wife, a, 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 adultery. And folks, I want to say that what hurts you that I know about, that you share with me, hurts me as a pastor. I'm the kind of guy, one of the, the, the biggest struggles I have in the ministry, I have had in the ministry, and, and Brother, Rick, Brother Rick and I have talked a lot about this, is the fact that I can't fix everything. I'm a fixer. I want to be able to, if somebody's hurting, I want to be able to say something, pray something, point to some kind of scripture, or say, hey, you do these steps, A, B, C, D, and if you do it, man, everything's going to be fixed. But I, I, I've learned over the years, and I continue to learn sometimes on a daily basis, I can't fix everything. But that doesn't mean that I don't hurt when you guys hurt. And I think lots of times the reason, part of the reason I hurt is, is because some of us, it's not just a matter of, of, of their where they are because of a, 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 a past, something done against them. But I hurt because they sometimes work themselves into a point where they don't want to let go of it. And I can see where it's hindering them. I can see where it's hurting them. I can see where, where in some senses, in some areas of their lives, it's killing them. But they don't want to give it up. And I get so frustrated because I, I want to wake up. Maybe a little bit harder than that. Wake up, you know, and, and see what God wants to do in your life. But some of us this morning are, are stuck in hurt. Stuck in bitterness of, of things that happened in the past. But we need to realize that in not being willing to forgive someone because of the things they may have done to you in the past is allowing them to continue to hurt you today. Being unwilling to forgive somebody for something that happened in the past is allowing them to have control over your life today. Because you refuse to give it up. You refuse to forgive you allow these things to hurt you up until this very day. Folks, God can give you the willingness to forgive them 
and be free of that hold in your life, to be free. Some of us, uh, the, the example I like to use is, is, is Jacob Marley and the old, uh, the old Christmas carol, Ebenezer Scrooge. Some of us are carrying, if you will, chains and chains and chains and everything you saw in any of the, the adaptations of that movie. And it's all bitterness and unforgiveness because we don't want to get rid of it. And God wants to break those chains. But we've got to allow Him to do the work in us. Some of us are stuck in bitterness. Some of us are stuck in guilt. We keep beating ourselves up about a past failure or past sins. We feel that, that, that nobody, even God, could possibly love us. In fact, some of us might even think, well, if anybody ever saw the real me, even the few friends that you have would abandon you. How could anybody love me if they knew my background? How could anybody love me if they knew the sin that, 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 that I fell into? How could anybody love me if they knew the sins that I'm still committing? How could anybody love me because I'm not worthy of being loved? I'm not worthy of being forgiven. How could God love me? I'm not worthy of being forgiven. You know what? Number one, that's a true statement. But you're not alone. There's none of us that are worthy of being forgiven. That's what I was talking about in my prayer when I was talking about grace. Grace is God's unmerited, undeserved, unearned love for us. You've heard me say many times, <clears throat> justice is getting what we deserve. I'm going down 95, I'm doing 85 miles an hour in a 65 mile an hour zone. The cop gives me a ticket, that's justice, I deserve it. Mercy is not getting what you deserve. I'm driving down the interstate, I'm doing 95 miles an hour in a, in a, in a, a did I go up 10 miles? Uh, whatever, 85 miles an hour in a 65 mile an hour zone. Cop pulls me over, Mr. Hodgin, I'm going to give you a break. I'm not, I'm not going to give you the ticket but slow down. Mercy is not getting what you deserve. Grace is getting what you don't deserve. I'm going down the road doing 85 miles an hour. Cop pulls me over. Mr. Hodgin, I'm not going to give you a ticket today. I'm going to cut you some slack, but here, out of my own wallet, here's 50 bucks. Go home, get your wife, go out and get something to eat tonight. That's getting something I don't deserve. And the same way is, way is true with the ways of God. Justice is us getting what we deserve. Justice says that we deserve hell because we're all sinners. Mercy is God saying, I'm not going to send you to hell. You deserve it, but I'm not going to send you. Keep in mind, that's just the language I'm using because God doesn't send anybody to hell. People send themselves to hell by rejecting Jesus Christ. But grace is God saying, not only are you not going to go to hell, but I'm going to bring you to heaven to live with me forever because, because of my son, Jesus Christ. So, none of us are worthy of forgiveness, but God in His grace bestows it to us. So, don't, don't buy into that trap of Satan where, where we think, you know what, I don't deserve forgiveness because none of us do. But God's willing to, to, to forgive it. And whether we beat ourselves up about past failures or sins, or whether we feel like nobody can forgive us. You know, in both, both cases, whether from being the victim of abuse or being the victim of hurt or being the victim of guilt because of your past, you think that nobody could ever forgive you. But I'm here to tell you, 
excuse me, on the authority of God's word this morning that you're wrong. God can forgive you. God is willing to forgive you. And more than that, God wants to forgive you. That's part of the reason that Jesus went to the cross. If God did not want to forgive us, if God did not want to bestow his grace on us, he never would have sent his son, Jesus Christ, to the cross. And we'd all still be lost and dead in our sins. You know, the Apostle Paul knew quite a bit about guilt. Uh, quite about guilt and, and, and past failures. And uh, you don't have to turn there, but you can write it down. I don't, don't know. I think I've got it written there. Philippians chapter 3, verses 13 and 14. Paul writes to the church at Philippi, Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Jesus Christ. What Paul was saying there was, yeah, you know what? I've made mistakes in my life. And even where I am right now, at this point in my life, I'm not all that I should be. But I'm telling you right here and now, I'm devoting all of my energy into forgetting the past and focusing on what God had for me, has for me in the future. What God has for me in the future right now on this earth is to make Him known. And what God has for me in the future is when my life is over here on earth, He's promised me a home in heaven. Well, I'll never have to worry about forgiveness again. I'll never have to worry about hurt again. I'll never have to worry about guilt again. But see, folks, for us to be free from our past, we need to be willing to deal with it once and for all. We need to be willing to deal with it once and for all. Isaiah chapter 43, and verse 18. In verse 18, we read this. Do not remember the former things, nor consider the things of old. Now, this doesn't mean that we just ignore our past. Okay, yeah, I messed up, so what? Or, or so some, somebody hurt me, uh, you know, just, I, I just got to pull my boots up, you know, pull myself up by my own bootstraps and get over it. That's, that's not what that passage is saying. It's, saying. it's telling us that we don't just forget the past, but we learn from it. I told my boys all the years growing up, and even, even now, it's one thing to make a mistake, but it's something else to not learn from it. We, we may fall into sin, we may make mistakes, but if we learn from it, that's going to put us a little bit further ahead of where God wants us to be than where we were before. There's a difference between falling into sin and making a mistake and learning from it moving on or continually making the same mistake. They say in, in Celebrate Recovery, one of the, uh, uh, well, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm getting ahead of myself. Again, it doesn't mean to ignore the past, but learn from it. Offer forgiveness. Make amends in person if you can. Like I said last week, if you can't make amends in person, make amends with God through prayer. Leave it behind. Release it. Because only then can you be everything God wants you to be. All of us have stumbled over a hurt, hang-up, habit, or a sin but we're alive today, we're still here today, because God's race is not over for us yet. You see, God's big concern isn't how we start, but His big concern is how we finish. Paul said, I've forgotten the things that are, that are in the past, and I'm focusing on the race God's got for me to run now. 
And I believe as, as Paul was focusing on that race, he wasn't looking at the obstacles that were coming. He was looking at the finish line. He was looking to Jesus Christ, the author and the finisher of his faith. But folks, don't let the past stop you from becoming all God wants you to be. I can't let the past stop me from becoming all God wants me to be. What keeps us from being made whole? Unwillingness to get rid of the past. And secondly, fears for the future. Fears for the future. You might be here this morning and you're worried about the future and, and, and to be afraid of change. Worried about the future and afraid of, afraid of change. You know, we all worry about things that we have no control over and we don't have the power to change. But we need to remember that lack, uh, 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 that, that lack of trust in God is worry. And the Bible tells us that worry is sin because it shows a lack of trust in God. And you may have been in your hurt, your hang-up, your habit, your guilt for so long that it defines you. Well, my husband told me I wasn't worth anything and, 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 and you hear it so long, you believe, you believe that, that, that you're not worth anything. Or my parents always told me that I was going to amount to, I, I'd never amount to anything. And you heard that so long, things like that for so long. That now defines who you are and you're afraid of the future because you're afraid, what's going to happen if I change? What's going to happen if I take some steps to, 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 to get this behind me? And, and now you live your life letting these hurts, hang-ups, and, and habits, and sins from the past define who you are. You might be wondering, what would, what would happen if you really do try to change? And you know what? The hurt, hang-up, or habit might not, or sin might not even be you. It might be somebody that, that, that you live with, a, a, a husband, a, a wife, a, a child, a parent, and, and you think, well, if I do what I need to do to change, if I need to do what, what I need to do so that I can be all God wants me to be, what, what's going to happen with my spouse? What's going to happen with my child? What, what's going to happen with my parent? Will, will they get mad at me? Will, will, they, will they disown me? Will they, will they leave me? Folks, we need to realize that God doesn't want us to, to get stuck in an unhealthy relationship or an unhealthy habit. Even if our past is very painful, we may resist change and the freedom we can gain from it because of fear of the unknown. What's going to happen if I change? We may resist change because of the despair we're in right now. We're so far down in the, in, in, in the, in the hole that we can't see daylight. We're so far back in the tunnel that we can't see daylight and we're in despair. Or again, we think we don't deserve any better because of things that people have planted into our head. I want you to realize this morning that you're not alone. And secondly, you're not here by mistake. Everybody that's here this morning is here because, because of a God-ordained appointment. And you hear me say so many times, you may think you came here because you saw us on the internet. You may come here because some, think you're here because somebody invited you. You may think you're here because somebody nagged you. You may be here because, for, for any number of reason, reasons, you may think you're here. But folks, those are just the reasons that God used to get you here. And if you hear my voice today, and I, I'm even here by, by God-ordained appointment.
And I say that to say this, this sanctuary is filled with changed, changed lives and lives that are being changed now by the power of God. Some of them, there are even some of us here today that are allowing God to change them by, by participating and celebrate recovery. There are those that are here this morning that, that, that their lives are being changed by just reaching out to somebody in, in, in the sanctuary. But we need to realize that before any progress can be made, we need to face our denial. Before we can begin to be all God wants us to be, before we can be, 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 be free of the hurts, habits, hang-ups, sins of the past, before we can be free about being afraid or worried about the future, we need to realize, we need to face the fact that we're denying something. I'm denying forgiveness. I'm denying I have a problem. I'm, de I'm, I'm, I'm denying that, that there's something going on that's keeping me from being all God wants me to be. But as soon as we're willing to deal with denial, the healing and the recovery begins. Well, what is denial? Denial has been defined as a false system of beliefs that are not based on reality are also, denial has been defined as a self-protecting behavior that keeps us from honestly facing the truth. And in a sense, denial, if you will, is a form of insanity. And one of the things they teach in, in, uh, in Celebrate Recovery is that a, that a good, rough, rough, real-world application definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over and over again and expecting different results. And how many of us do that if we're in denial? We, 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 we do the same thing over and over. We, we, we deny forgiveness and we think something different is going to happen. We, we continue to worry about the future and, and we think something's different. Well, if I worry about it this maybe in this way, it's going to change. Well, if I deny it in this way, maybe it's going to change. It's not. It's not. You know, as kids, we all learned what you, what you, what you might want to call coping systems. You know, and they worked for things like when we didn't get the attention we wanted or we wanted to block out pain and fear. I remember as a kid some of the coping mechanisms that, that, that my brother and I learned to deal with because of my dad. You know, my, my dad was not physically abusive. I can only remember two times when, when I got hit. But he was very verbally, very emotionally abusive. And I can remember sometimes when he'd get on his little rants, the coping mechanisms that my brother and I would use. And, and, and even though we couldn't leave the house, we couldn't leave our yard, you know, we, we'd, get as, we'd get as far away from the house as we possibly could. We had little forts we had built in the weeds and, and different things like that. And that was how we coped with, with, with my dad pitching his fits. You know, some of you probably had things like that. We, you had coping mechanisms, you know, things that worked for time. But as time went on, the skills grew into denial. You know, well, well, maybe this is the way all dads are supposed to act. Maybe this is the way all husbands are supposed to act. Maybe this is the way I'm supposed to act because of, because of what he's doing. And we deny that there's a problem. I can remember one time when he did hit me. It was before school. My brother was sick. And my dad was kind of a hypochondriac. I mean, every time you turn around, if he talked to somebody, he was the kind of guy, if he talked to somebody that was sick, he'd get home. If, if he talked to Will and Will said, you know what, I just had my appendix removed. We'd get home and my, my dad would go, I don't remember where your appendix is. But you know what, my side's been hurting 
lately. He's like, man, maybe something's wrong with my appendix. I mean, he, he was that kind of guy. Maybe some of you guys are those kind of people, you know. But, but at any rate, I remember one morning we were getting up for school and my brother was sick. I mean, he'd been up half the night sick, throwing up, doing all this, that, and the other. Well, my dad pitched a fit. Well, you just don't want to go to school. And it was one of the first times I ever stood up to him. And I said, you know what? Why is it whenever you get sick, you're oh so sick. And here he's been puking his guts out. And, and I went to school and I had a big red mark on my face. And, and when I got to school, one of the teachers asked what had happened. And, and, and I told him I got in a fight with my brother before we came to school. You know, denying, if you will, the fact that there's a problem at my house. Did you ever deny that you or your parents or, or, or a family member had problems? Do any of these comments sound familiar to you? Maybe you've heard them or maybe you've thought them. Well, well let's, let's pretend that this, this didn't happen, kind of what I was doing. Or how about, well, if we don't talk about it, it's going to go away. Or, you know what, he really doesn't drink that much. Or, it didn't hurt that bad. He told me he was sorry, and, and, and besides, he's got a lot of stress on him right now. Or, I, I can relate to this one. I eat because you make me so mad. Or, if you weren't on my case all the time, I wouldn't drink the way I did. If you weren't on my case all the time, I wouldn't do drugs. Or, or how about that? Yeah, I may do these drugs every once in a while, but I've got it under control. I, I can do this, but I got it under control. Folks, that is denial. Plain and simple. Well, what are the effects of denial? And hopefully I can get through this quickly. We can see the effects of denial with an acrostic made from the letters that spell denial. First of all, in denial, the D tells us that denial disables our feelings. Hiding our feelings and emotions, living in denial, freezes our emotions and binds us. It puts us in chains. We find the freedom to try, to test, to experience, to know our feelings when we find and trust Jesus Christ and we step out of that denial. The E in denial tells us that in denial there's energy lost. A major side effect of denial is anxiety. And anxiety causes us to waste energy dealing with past hurts and failures or it causes us anxiety because we waste energy Fearing the future. Living like this makes us unable to live and to enjoy God's plans for our lives for the present. We spend so much time worrying about past failures or worrying about what might happen in the future, we cannot enjoy what God's got before us right now. If we transfer the energy required to maintain our denial into learning God's truth, into cultivating a healthy love for others. I'm sorry, if we transfer all this energy required uh, to maintain our denial into learning God's truth, then a healthy love for others and a healthy love for ourselves will take place. And I'm not talking about this self-love that the world tells us that you have to have. I'm talking about a good solid, biblically-based love for others and a biblically-based love for yourself. Well, why should I love myself? Because God loves you. And the bottom line is, is if you can't love yourself with a healthy biblical love, you truly can't love anybody else. 
Well, well, Pastor, I loathe myself. I hate myself, but I still love my spouse and I love my kids and I die for them. You know what? You, you, you may have all that, but you're still not experiencing the depth and the strength of love God wants you to know for them if, if, you're, if you're still dealing with denial. The end of denial tells us that denial negates growth. You know, sick plants and animals don't grow. If I take a plant and, and, and I put it in the window so it gets sunlight and I water it properly, it's going to grow. But if I take that plant, say I had a plant there and I take it and I put it in, in the bathroom back there where it's dark, keep the lights off and don't feed it, what's going to wind up happening? It's going to start wilting. And eventually it's going to die. And see, we are as, as sick as our secrets are. And we can't grow in recovery until we're ready to step out of denial and into the truth. You know, in my own personal life, I, I swore that I was never going to be the kind of dad that my father was. And it came to a point in my life where I heard myself one time with the, with the three boys doing the exact same thing. I swore I was never going to do. I was turning out to be just like him. And I, I had to stop and I had to check myself. And, and with, with God's help, he was able to, 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 to change the learned behavior that was in me. And I didn't treat, hopefully didn't treat my kids the way that, that, that my dad treated us. But denial negates growth. And again, we're as sick as our secrets are and we can't grow in recovery until we're ready to step out of denial and into the truth. The I in denial tells us that, that denial isolates us from God. Adam and Eve are great examples of how this takes place. Adam and Eve had unbroken fellowship with God. Genesis tells us that every evening God would meet Adam and Eve in the, in, in the cool of the evening. Him in his Chicana glory, Adam and Eve in their booth, birthday suits, but they were probably covered in the same Chicana glory of God at that time. Unbroken fellowship. They were together, but Adam and Eve decided to, to sin. And what's the first thing that happened? God comes in the cool of the evening and God knew what was going on. But he says, Adam, where, where are you? I'm hiding in the bushes. Well, Adam, why are you hiding in the bushes? Because I'm naked. How would you know you're naked? You know, God knew. But what happened? The minute they sinned, hiding in the bushes was just a representation of the fact that they were now isolated from God. They had complete, ultimate, perfect fellowship until they fell into sin. And then that sin isolated from God. Denial isolates us from God. See, God's light shines on truth. In fact, the Bible tells us that God is light. And our denial keeps us in the dark. It keeps us separate. It keeps us isolated from God. Yeah, the, the, if you will, the relationship might be there. Yes, we're saved because we've accepted Christ as our Savior. But the fellowship's been broken because we're isolating ourselves from God and our denial. We're unwilling to, 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 to deal with the hurts, hang-ups, habits, or sins of the past. And, 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 we, and we continue to worry, maybe continue to worry about the future. And that isolates us. It not only isolates us from God, but the A in denial tells us that denial alienates us from relationships. Again, it not only isolates us from, from God, it, it in a sense alienates us from God and other folks because the fellowship, the fellowship's broken. 
It also alienates us because denial tells us we're getting away from something. On the subconscious level, it tells us that we're getting away with something. We don't dare reveal our true selves for fear of what people will think. And even though we may be, excuse me, there may be, be crowds of people around us and we have some friends, we're still in our minds retreating from relationships to quote-unquote protect ourselves. But at what cost? Because we're alienating our, ourselves from real fellowship with God. We're alienating ourselves from fellowship with real people. And what kind of cost is that? I tell you, there, there's a couple groups right now. A couple groups of men that I, that I meet with. And I would encourage men, women in the church to, to do the same thing. There are, there, uh, one is a step study based on Celebrate Recovery. Another is there's just two or three guys that, from our church that I get together with, with every week. And you know what? We, we just lay things bare flat open. Hey, this, this is what I'm dealing with this week. This is where I had a good week. This is where I had a bad week. This is where I'm doing well with my family. This is where I'm sinning against my family and sinning against God. And I tell you what, I, I, the, 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 I don't know about the other guys, but the growth that has come from me because I have been able, it, it's the first time since I've been in the ministry in 16 years that I feel like I, 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 I can bear myself and I can bear my struggles. I can come out of denial if need be in some things because I know that I'm meeting with a bunch of guys that, that they're not going to think, well, you know what? You're the pastor. You're not supposed to have feelings like that. You're the pastor. You, 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 you shouldn't be dealing with things like that. But I can lay myself open and I know that what I say is going to stay within that group. And I would encourage I encourage you guys, find somebody that you can trust. Guys, find a couple guys you can trust. Ladies, find a couple ladies that you can trust. And every week, every couple weeks, get together, just hey, say, hey, can we be real with each other right now? Because I'm at a point now where, where I don't feel like I'm alienated from people because I can come in and, again, I can share what I'm dealing with. When we alienate people, we may be, quote-unquote, protecting ourselves, but at what cost? Ephesians 4.25 <clears throat> tells us this. Therefore, put away lying. Let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. It's always better to tell the ugly truth than to tell a beautiful lie. Pastor John, how are things going in your life this past week? Oh man, great. You know what? I, I, I got to visit all these folks and I'm doing this in my prayer time, this in my devotional time. And, and man, life with the family is great. And I'm sitting there thinking, well, you know what? Life's not so great. I've not prayed the way I should have been. Uh, when I do read my Bible, I'm not getting anything out of it. I, I yelled at Tammy five times this week and I probably said a few things to the kids that I shouldn't have said. You know? That's what happens when you when when that's what happens when you tell a beautiful lie as 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 opposed to telling the ugly truth, and the ugly truth is the only thing that's gonna that's gonna that's gonna help me. For some of us, the ugly truth, getting it out, is the only thing that's gonna help you in your in your walk with God. Then finally, the yell and denial tells us that denial lengthens 
or paint. I've, I've got 11.16, so I've still got, got, got 45 minutes to go. I'm almost done. L lengthens, stands for lengthens the pain. We wrongly believe that denial protects us from our pain. But in reality, denial, like an, like an infection, is a pain that festers and grows more poisonous, turning our pain into shame and guilt. You ever get a splinter or, or, or a cut or something and, and you don't deal with it and the infection sets in and it starts to swell up and, and you see all that white, not trying to be gross, that, that white pussy, pussy stuff that starts to grow around it? That's what happens when we don't deal with it. And instead of if we'd have done the right thing, washed it off, put a Band-Aid brand, Band-Aid strip on there and some Neosporin, you know, Neosporin first and the Band-Aid, you know, if we'd have treated it first, the pain would have gone and it would have been healed a whole lot quicker. But when we don't deal with the pain, it festers. It festers. Denial extends our hurt and in some cases it multiplies our problems because what starts happening if we continue to deny? We start to lie. You know, somebody will say something about what we're dealing with and we'll say, well, no, things are fine. Or like I did with my dad, I started making excuses for my dad. I remember my mom making excuses for my dad about when we had family get-togethers. And my dad, if he, heard, if he heard of a family get-together and it was his own family, he'd pitch a fit because he didn't want to go. So, of course, we wouldn't go, but we'd have to listen to him the whole day about not wanting to go. And then when somebody in the family would call my mom, oh, well, one of the boys was sick or well, Wayne wasn't feeling good. We, we begin to lie to cover our denial. But folks, dealing with our denial is like having surgery. It may hurt for a while, but in the end it cures and heals. Jeremiah 30, verse 7, verse 17, tells us this. This is God speaking to Jeremiah. For I will restore health to you and heal you of your wounds, says the Lord, because they called you an outcast, saying... This is Zion, no one seeks her. He's speaking of Israel here, but the same is true of us. God says if we step out of our denial, He says, I will restore health to you and heal your wounds. It isn't easy, but are you willing this morning to step out of your denial? In this church, on Friday nights, or at any other time, night or day, you have a loving Savior who wants to minister to you through the hands of feet, hearts, and mouth of the people he has placed around you in this church family. The question though is, are you willing to take that first step this morning so that you might begin that journey of healing and truly know the unconditional love and grace that Jesus Christ wants to give you today? Are you willing to take that first step? J.R., I can't remember his last name, but he's the fellow that started celebrate J.R. Austin the fellow that started celebrate recovery down in uh, down at the church in Louisa that we went to and he's even been here one night and spoke he said sometimes the hardest step for celebrate recovery is that that walk from the car to the park from the car in the parking lot coming into the church for some of us this morning taking that first step in, in dealing with our denial is exactly that taking that first step whether it's taking the first step in your pew and asking God to help you, being, being serious with God and saying, God, I want to take care of this, or that first step, if you feel like God's calling you to come up here and talk to me or, or, or to go to the altar and pray about it. 
Invitation's a little bit different today. I, I looked out here, and as far as I know, I can't be 100% sure, but as far as I know, everybody here knows Christ as Lord and Savior. Or they've heard the invitation enough, they know the steps they've got to take to make Christ their Lord and Savior. The invitation today is, are you ready today to deal with the denial you might have in your life? Whether it's sitting there in your pew, or whether it's coming forward to the altar. John, Missy, if y'all want to come on up. I'll pray while they're coming up, and then I'll turn things over to them.